You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Keys 107. Tonight we have with us Haru Niket, our expert business advisor and financial consultant. Tonight we're going to talk about a topic very near and dear to me, and that topic is planning for the new year. I am a firm believer that if you do not plan you will fall way behind, and you may not be able to catch up. So I believe my co-host is here. Yes, I am. Greetings, everyone. This is Brother James, and uh, again, welcome to the Keys. And tonight we will discuss the tools, the tips, and strategies for financial success in, in 2017. And I believe we all need to break out our pen, our pads, and prepare as we sit in this classroom on the keys, focusing on the financial key this evening. So, again, uh, thank you all for tuning in. And, Rafika, let's get on with the show. Well, we want to send a special thank you out to all of our new Facebook friends. Our group is growing. For those of you who are tuned in online, you can call in at 213-943-3618. 213-946-318, and we're going to be tweeting some of these uh, points that Haru is going to give, and it's going to be a 10-point action plan to help you get yourself together. Now, before we bring in Haru, Medea Allen, our healthy, our healthy tip of the day expert, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. she's on standby, and you know, we don't like to keep Medea waiting because Medea is a very busy lady. The Organic Soul Chef is up next. Stay tuned. As a matter of fact, like Brother James says, this will give you a few seconds to go get your pen and paper, get your drink of water, get comfy, put your feet up, get ready to take notes. The Keys 107 and presents The Healthy Tip of the Day. Today's healthy tip of the day is to practice gratitude. Being grateful or appreciative of what is can be your ticket to a more abundant and rich life. Scan your current life and find an area that seems to be challenging for you. For the next seven days, commit to discovering at least one thing a day that you appreciate about this challenge. What gift has it allowed for you? Practicing gratitude in our lives allows for more spaciousness and light to come in so that we may experience more joy. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by Medea Allen, the Organic Soul Chef. You can visit me online at OrganicSoulChef.com.
Well, Rafika. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. Now, you you know, James, when Ernie gets into his group, it's really difficult to shut him down. So we just got to let Ernie Smith get that out of his system, okay? Absolutely. And just to uh, dovetail on uh, Medea Allen, speaking about grateful, our, uh, our special guest and guru, we are grateful for him coming aboard with us throughout the whole of the 2016 year. Uh, giving us wholesome instruction in terms of how to handle our uh, our business life, our financial life, and we really are grateful. So, without any further delay, you know. Well, well, what? James, um, let me also state. Speaking of Haru and gratitude, uh, we have to make this announcement that Haru has sponsored. Now, he hasn't let me know yet, but he has sponsored a college student or a woman in business to the upcoming fifth annual Women Doing It Big Empowerment Conference that we are a part of. The Keys 107 Network is partnering with Women Do It Big. And Haru, we'd like to thank you for your generous donation. Haru, your mic is live. Check in. (laughs) Okay. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm here. Can you hear me? So, Haru, we are talking about gratitude today, um, and, of course, you are coming in loud and clear. I don't know why, Haru, your technology doesn't, it rarely messes up, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get started. Um, Let's just jump right into it. Okay. Um, So we're talking about, you know, tips and strategies uh, for success in 2017, but I think before we look ahead at 2017, it's important that we look back at 2016. I, I think agree. that, yeah, most people don't take an opportunity to reflect back on the year that they had. You know, they're so busy, um, you know, planning ahead and saying what they want for the year ahead. But you have to sit back and you have to make an honest assessment. And I say non-judgmental because it's hard, you know, not to judge yourself, uh, especially when you didn't reach your goals. Um, and really assess what you did. So you have to ask yourself a few questions. Um, did you make your financial goals that you set for last year? Did you create a? Did you even create a plan to reach the goals for last year? Did you accomplish that? Why did you or why did you not accomplish your goals? Um, did you? If you made a plan, did you follow your plan? What challenges did you face that altered your plans? Um, you have to ask yourself things like, um, you know, if I didn't create goals, why didn't I? And, you know, am I in a better place financially this year than I was before? And so it's just like doing a postmortem. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't look back. And and it's actually more difficult to analyze your successes than it is to analyze your failures. You know, sometimes when when you don't make your goals, you know, there's a glaring reason right in your face that tells you why. And sometimes, you know, you coast along and you're successful and you can't even figure out why you did it. Um... But it's really important to do that first because and for the, the, the really important reason is you can't do the same things you did last year and be successful this year. You know, as much as we want to believe that, well, you know, um, I made my goals or, um, you know, I didn't make my goals. I'm just going to tweak it a little bit or I'm going to do the same thing. The world is changing so dramatically. We have to really look at not only what we did, but how it 
it fit into the grand scheme of things? How did it fit into um, the political sphere? How did it fit into what was going on um, economically? How did it, uh, you know, fit in with what was going on, you know, in the global atmosphere? You know, sometimes we don't really take a, a second to reflect that all these things had to be in alignment for you to be successful. You know, we only look at what we did, but we don't look at how all these things aligned. And if the world has changed, then these things are no longer in alignment. So if everything's misaligned, how do I realign everything based upon what I did last year if I want to get the same or better results? And so it's really important to do that and and sit and reflect before you think about what you want for the the year ahead. So, Haru, when should this reflection take place? Right now. Now. (laughs) Now, immediately. (laughs) I mean, you know, we only have another week or so left of of 2016. So, you know, I don't think much is going to change between now and, and, you know, December 31st. So right now is really a a great time to sit back and reflect. Um, And and you should be getting your your taxes together and everything. So all your financial stuff is, like, really coming to a head right now anyway, right? So Mm -hmm. you can, you know, look at your income and, um, you know, what you did with your money because you're going to have to do that to prepare for your tax person anyway. So uh, right now, do that. Um, and then the next thing you have to do is really figure out what what your world wants to, what your personal world is going to look like at the end of 2017. What do you want? Um, you know, most people are so reactive, you know, so busy putting out fires all the time, chasing bills, you know, dealing with unforeseen expenses or you know, just these things that come up that they, they really ever take the time to sit and really envision what they would like for themselves or their families. And so it's, it's not so much how much money do I want to make, but, you know, what is it my lifestyle going to look like? What, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to maintain the lifestyle that I have because I'm just so content, which is very rare? Or am I trying to improve my lifestyle? And if I'm trying to improve it, what does it look like? You know, um, so you have to ask yourself a few questions. Do I, do I want to uh, improve my home, or do I want to buy a new home? Do I want to rent a new place? Do I want to vacation more next year? Uh, do I want to work less next year? You know, you have to really say, what is my lifestyle? What is it going to look like? Do do I want more time for myself? Do I want more time to do things? Um, are there things that I want? You know, you have to really sit down first um, because people are so busy, you know, uh, living the life that they can afford instead of you know, uh, creating a way to afford the life that they want. You know, and there's a big difference between the two. And I think most people settle for whatever life affords them. And I'm saying that you need to create a way to afford the life you want, but in order to do that, you have to first see the life that you want. And that means taking a minute and stop chasing the fires. You know, the, the bills will be there. You know, the, all these things will be there. Just stop for a moment, really sit down, and take a moment and say, wow, if I could have what I wanted in 2017, what would it look like? Mm. So once, once you have that bigger vision, then you got to kind of break it down a little bit. And so I say, and, and I tell business people, and, and, and you know, when I advise people on, on their business plans for the next year, I tell them the exact same thing. Choose three annual goals based on your desired outcome. So once you've seen that vision for what you want, and, and, you know, you have to be realistic, too, right? You can't say, you know, because you've got to know where you're at, right? And so if you're $30,000 in debt, you know, to say next year I want to have a palace with a pool and, you know, wild animals running around, it's just not real, realistic, you know. So, you know, being realistic because growth is going to be an increment. 
you know, growth is a process and it happens in increments. So what's realistic in terms of how I can improve my lifestyle for 2017 and then choose three annual goals that will get you uh, closer to that desired outcome. And so, you know, when you, when you look at 2017, it could be, okay, um, I want to increase my income by a certain percentage, which is going to afford me a better lifestyle or, this year is the year I create my first passive income source. And for those of you, again, who, who don't remember what passive income is, that's income that doesn't come from working. It's not earned income. So that means um, something that comes from stocks, bonds, mutual funds, something that comes from um, uh, rent from real estate, money that comes from a business you own. You know, it's creating a way for money to come in where you've worked hard once, but the money comes in continuously. And so that could be, you know, one of your annual goals. It could be that um, this is the year I have to reduce or eliminate my debt. Um, you know, but it has to, you just have to narrow it down to three because choosing more than three really is extremely difficult to accomplish. And you don't want to set yourself up to be overwhelmed, and you certainly don't want to set yourself up to fail uh, because it just sets you back emotionally for next year. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask, um, if we go back to the first one, if we use the term, I want to be debt-free, but most people don't account for if you own a home, in order to be debt-free, you have to pay off that fullness, fullness of the mortgage. Okay. If, so that's a, if, that's, yeah. And student I, loans. I, right. Okay. So oh. let's talk about debt. Oh, student, <laughs> student loans is a rough one, right? <laughs> student loans them alone. The biggest, yeah. That's the greatest uh, you know, debt America has right now, but you know, when we say debt-free, I think we have to qualify that in mm-hmm. good debt and bad debt, right? And so when we're talking about good debt and bad debt, good debt is le- what you call leverage debt, meaning that um, it kind of pays – what you do with, with what you created the debt for should pay for itself. Okay. And and bad debt – so, for instance, I'll give you an example of bad debt um, – on a whim, you go out and you buy, I don't know, some new technology, some new computer stuff on a credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's entertainment stuff. Let's say it's a video game, you know, and it ends up costing you 32% interest annually. And, and you're thinking in your mind, it's okay because I'm paying it over time. But then the money that you do make that you decide you're going to do some passive income and you do an investment, and the investment pays 10% that 10% is offset by the 32%. So it's like pouring money in a bucket with a, with a hole in the bottom, right? And so, you know, uh, when we say debt-free, we're talking about debt that drains us. So that's that bad debt. Okay, okay. Right. Okay. So, again, with um, a mortgage on a home, you, you know that that's a big lump for some or for most. So if we did something and said in terms of maybe refinancing, getting – a lower interest rate, and then paying down a lump sum on the principal, that would be a more doable goal? Right. That's debt reduction, right? And so we have to look at that. And so if you qualify to, to refinance, it certainly makes sense um, not only to, to try to get a lower interest rate, but even to knock off um, some years. So if you could refinance to 15 instead of, say, 30, because most people have a 30-year mortgage, um, mm-hmm. your, 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 what you pay every month might be close to what you were paying before, 
but you can save literally hundreds of thousands of dollars right. just by knocking off that, right? And so, um, you know, that could be a goal of yours that, okay, because that's why I said it could be debt reduction or debt elimination. So we have to, you know, look at which makes more sense in 2017, right? right. So if your goal was debt elimination, then that means, uh, or your desired outcome was that to, to do that, one of your, your goals would be to put yourself in a position to be able to refinance. So that means, you know, you'd have to get your credit in order, you know, if it's not mm-hmm. where it should be. Um, that means that you might have to realign some of your cash flow to be able to put it towards that debt, you know. And so that there are all these things that go along with it. That's why I say don't choose more than three things because there are all these little sub things that go underneath it, you know, that will have to uh, be put into practice in order to accomplish that. Well, I think you hit it on the head when you start with something as simple as trying to improve your credit. <laughs> you know, you can do everything else based on that, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And some okay. people have great credit, right, but aren't doing anything with it. So it's going to vary for, from person to person. There's some people sitting around. You'd be amazed. Some people sitting around with an 800, 850 credit score, um, but they're not doing anything with it. You know, they just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just sitting, basking in the glory of having an 850 credit score and thinking that's an end. That's not an end. It's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't we don't recognize that. You know, we're so busy trying to protect and preserve our credit score, and we don't know why. You know, why right. it's important to have that, right? So, um, again, and I think that's part of looking back and reflecting and saying, okay, what was what was good about 2016? Oh, I got my credit score to 850. Okay, now now how do I improve my life based upon that? Because everything is, is always about, like I said, it's incremental. And so everything should always be about building on the last thing and building on the last thing and, and really mm-hmm. never settling. You know, I don't think most people want to settle. I think people settle when they don't see an opportunity in front of them, when they don't see hope for improvement. You know, as long as you see that there are things that you can do, um, people will, will try it if they believe it's achievable. Right. Okay. So achievable. You kind of hit yeah, yeah, I think you kind of hit my my next thing on the uh, on the head when I because I, I said you have to prioritize your goals, and mm-hmm. the way I look at it is you know uh, one of the things I did when I was in college I took a first aid class, and they said that there's a priority in dealing with a, a patient when you know they need first aid, and they said that the order is stop the bleeding, start the breathing, and prevent shock, and mm. so I look at you know, our financial situation the exact same way. You have to stop the bleeding, start the breathing, and prevent shock. And so I look at it, um, debt as bleeding, right? And so because that will drain you. Any successes that you had will be drained out by debt, you know, and you can never get ahead because, you know, it's, it's very rare that you find an investment that pays better than the interest on a debt. You know, when we look at credit card debt can be 32%. It's hard to match that, you know, in today's economy with an investment. And so, you know, when you look at a bank account that's paying one-tenth of 1%, and then, you know, somebody tells you, well, I can give you a, a super phenomenal, you know, investment like something like the lending club that's paying you 10%, you're like, 10%, that's phenomenal. But when your credit card debt is 32%, you're bleeding to death. Mm-hmm. And so you have to prioritize that. So if you're in debt, the first thing you should address before you even think about all the other things is really stopping that bleeding. Um, after that, 
you know, I say start the breathing. And so when I say start the breathing, how do you find a way to, to create a new source of income that doesn't increase your workload per se? Right. So it's not taking on the overtime at work, but how do you, how do you get increased cash flow and increased cash flow can come from, I say it should come from two directions. One, it should come from restructuring how you're spending your money. And, you know, we have so many options today because of technology and, and globalization where people compete for your business. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you should always look to cut your costs. You know, even if you're not in trouble, you should always be looking to cut your costs because cutting your costs gives you increased cash flow. At the same time, I think you should always be looking for ways to increase your income through a passive income source. And so, you know, if, if this is the year that you start your home-based business then, and it creates some, some passive income, then, then go for it. If this is the year you start your online, you know, um, store, then it's time to do that. If this is the time you're going to rent out that extra room you got, then make that happen, you know. So you have to find a way to start the breathing. You know, how do, how do I, you know, breathe life into my financial situation? You have to do that with an infusion of cash flow. The infusion of yeah. cash flow should come from both directions. Okay. And then then the, the, the last part of, of that, you know, because it was stop the bleeding, start the breathing, and prevent shock. Shock comes from what I call impactful unpredictables. And so impactful unpredictables are these things that you, you didn't think you didn't think of ahead of time, but they impact you so heavily it can just change the course of, of everything that you're doing. And so um, you have to make yourself so robust, you know, that you're kind of impervious to these impactful unpredictables. So in advance, you have to do things to protect yourself. So if that means that, you know, we're hearing it's going to be a, a repeal of Obamacare, what does that mean for your health care? You know, well, it's interesting. I was watching the news earlier, and they said record numbers of people are applying this month for Obamacare with the expectation of, you know, everything being gone. So if you were unprotected and then suddenly you find yourself, you know, ill or in a catastrophic, you know, um, accident, then you would be uncovered, you know, or, or at least the threat of being uncovered is there. So it might be changing your, your health insurance. It might be, you know, insuring your home differently or your, your vehicle. It might be, um, starting at the gym if, if health is the issue it could be uh, creating your emergency fund you know a lot of people still for some bizarre reason don't have an emergency fund and to me you know um, that goes right after you know again stop the bleeding because you're, you're bleeding out start the breathing you're increasing the, the cash flow but that cash flow some of it has to go to an emergency fund because stuff happens and so uh, there was an article in the Atlantic earlier this year where you know, they stated that the average person couldn't come up with $500 in a week's time in an emergency. You mm. know, that, that's pretty frightening. So, mm. you know, when I say emergency fund, I'm not even talking about $500. I'm saying you should have $500, you know, in, a, in an envelope hidden in your house somewhere if you can't get to the ATM. But you should try to, you know, have at least three months worth of your expenses as an emergency fund. And so that helps you become a little more robust because if, if for some reason you were unable to work or you lost your, your job, you're not stuck. You know, it gives you at right. least a little room to, you know, to do something, um, 
you know, being robust might be now your middle age or what they call a middle age in mid forties or so, and you haven't started investing for your retirement. Now is the time because time goes by so quickly, you know, you don't want to be of age where you physically want to retire and you can't. And so, you know, um, you know, making yourself robust is, is preventing that shock. Right. Very good stuff. Yeah. So after that, we come to, you know, in order to really make yourself robust, I think you have to be able to identify any potential threats ahead of time. You know, they always say people, you know, uh, generals prepare for the last war. And it makes sense, right? Because sometimes we just don't anticipate certain things. I think you need to sit and use your imagination and even if it's far-fetched, start really coming up with the things that really could affect your ability to reach your desired outcome. You know, what, what could stop you from reaching your goal? And I always I keep going back to health. You know, sometimes we, we overlook that. When your health is bad, not only are the medical expenses enormous, but you don't have the energy to even be able to create income. You know, and so you have to look at health. So how do I prevent myself from being in a situation health-wise where um, I can't continue, I can't reach my goals? One of the things that we overlook, you know, I had a great conversation with a, um, a brother yesterday, and he, he's a historian. And, and I love history. And he was telling me how valuable history is. And I get that. But one of the things we lack is current information. Right. And right. And so the United States and other countries spend billions of dollars on the intelligence agencies. The United States has 13 intelligence agencies, and each of them are gathering information so that they can make real-time decisions. And sometimes we, we neglect that. And so we have to make sure that we're staying on top of current information because we've entered the age of acceleration where things are moving so fast. And, you know, if you just miss one thing, you could be lost. And so, you know, we have to identify that as a threat, not having current information. We have to understand rule, rule changes. Um, there are changes in the rules to the game constantly. And I'll give you an example um, in terms of government regulation. Here in New York City, I don't know if people were following the uh, Airbnb and the state of New York were having a battle. Because the state of New York passed legislation that said you could not have what they call short-term rentals in an apartment building. And they uh, identified short-term rentals as 30 days or less. So you could not advertise that you were renting a place for 30 days or less. And so Airbnb challenged that because, of course, you know, they they would take a huge hit to their business. They make over a billion dollars just in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so – um, this battle went on for a while, and finally Airbnb, you know, uh, settled and said, well, as long as you don't come after us, then fine. And so um, New York City and actually New York State now says you can be fined up to $7,500 just for advertising. Not, not that you rented out, just for advertising short-term rentals in an apartment building. So that changes mm. the game. So I had been preaching Airbnb because it, it's a, it was a phenomenal way to make money. Um, you know, you could find an apartment and, and rent it and then uh, sublet it for an enormous amount of money doing Airbnb, and the, and the profits were outrageous. But 
the rules have changed, and they changed quickly. And so all of a sudden, people who last month were making large amounts of money doing Airbnb have to find another way. And so we have to look at, we have to identify those things. And so um, there are changes in the rules, changes in, in government regulation. There are changes in policies and politics itself. You know, we're looking at this huge swing from, you know, this very liberal eight years to now an ultra-conservative, you know, uh, change, and not only locally but globally. And so how is that going to affect, you know, what you're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, again, we don't, you know, we just bypass that. We're so into our small world that we don't understand the, the, the impact global events have on you locally. Yes, yes. But before you go there, I just want to step back just a minute and talk about those um, threats, you know, those potential threats that will creep up on you and take you out financially. And most times it's because we're not reading the fine print. And that means that we need, if we got a couple extra dollars, maybe we need to find that um, more informed attorney to represent us or that better accounting firm to help us do our books. Um, you know, the things that we could get sued for, let us look at uh, in making sure that we are indemnified and that we have insurances to cover all these things. Those, those are the potential threats, you know, that can take us off our course and destroy whatever goals that we may have set for the year because we didn't look at uh, strengthening our position and all the support st- services that we need to help us along that path. So I, I, I thought about that as you was talking and made those type of notes about, you know, keeping current. You have to have good well, advice. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. And I think, you know, so we, we really need to start thinking about putting together our team. You know, one of the mm-hmm. things, because things, uh, again, we're in this age of acceleration and things are moving so fast, the learning curve for someone, for an individual to try to understand each of those, those areas, when you're talking about the, you know, the legal aspect or the, um, you know, the accounting aspect, all these things are, are, are specializations that it takes time to learn. And, and it doesn't make sense for you to try to take time to learn it when there are people there. So putting together your financial team, you know, using that, that whole idea of, of this, um, collaboration you know that's the Mm -hmm. buzzword now using this collaboration will create exponential growth and success and so who should be on your financial team one of the things you mentioned is an attorney um but you have to have the right attorney based on what you're doing you know just because your cousin right just because your cousin is an attorney because they graduated from law school doesn't make them the best attorney for what you're trying to accomplish (laughs) so if you're dealing with real estate you need to get a real estate attorney um you know, if you're dealing with contracts for business, you need a business attorney. And yes. it, it's okay for you to have different attorneys for different projects and things that you're working on because each one of them specializes in something different. Yes. Um, the same thing with accounting. You know, I tell people the more money you make, you're probably going to have to change the person who does your taxes and your books. You know, mm-hmm. I have people, you know, some of my students, all of a sudden they, they, they're corporation owners, they're corporate owners. And they're going to, you know, the tax preparer that they went to when they had a job, and that person is, is grossly inadequate for what they're trying to accomplish. They don't know that because that's not what they do. And I understand, you know, you know, years ago everything was about relationship. Today everything's about service. Yes. You know, it, it's who can provide me the best service the way I want it, 
you know, at the price point I'm willing to pay for it. And so, you know, you have to look at that. You have to look at um, uh, an asset protection attorney, you know, because once you make this money, you have to be able to protect it. And so, and pass it on properly, you know, to your heirs. So how do you, you know, put that together? Um, you know, it's just so many different layers to it. You need to have, you know, a, a mentor or a business advisor. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm glad you brought that point out. You know, it's so important because I think it can be somewhat overwhelming, you know, when we're sitting here. I, you know, it's easy for me to say this on the air and tell people, do, do this, do that. And if you don't have that experience level or that level of comfortability with it, um, people who are uncomfortable do nothing. Right. Yeah, and Absolutely. so yeah, d- yeah, d- definitely put that team together. Um, and I'm going to add, I'm going to add awareness to that list you just um, laid out, Haru, because many people already have some of these financial people at their access because they're already filing taxes. Maybe they've already dealt with um, some kind of legal matter. So some, and not everybody is starting from ground zero, but they don't have awareness right. that this is part of this is their team. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the, one of the things that we you touched on as far as you know uh, reducing that shock, you know, that shock of the hour is when you turn sixty or fifty-five or whatever it is that you thought you were going to retire, and you realize you now are aware that you can't survive on the money that you have saved. So you have at right now, put together a plan so that your retirement is adequate for you to live the lifestyle that you desire to live. So you can't really do that on your own well, you know, unless you've been uh, trained. Uh, So you have to find someone who can help you with retirement planning, as you have to find someone who has to help you with estate planning and and so forth. So, um, it's about specialization and, like you said, putting that right team together to solidify your situation so that you are viable in the here and now and in the future. And and, and I'll add, and on top of awareness, you know, really a sense of urgency. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, I had a, a client of mine talking to me the other day. And he put, I, I just love the way he put it. He He was a football player when he was young, and he said he's at a point in his life where he realizes he's in the fourth quarter. And yes. he's down. He's down. He's way behind. He's and down he by said, touchdown. Football, he said he's down by an odd number. He said, I'm down by 12. This is what he put it. Really. He said, I'm down by 12. So I need two scores. It's not even like yes, I can sir. get a touchdown in the field. I got to get two touchdowns. But I'm way behind, and I don't have a plan for this. And, mm. you know, for him, it, it hit him like that. He said when he played football, it was like, okay, we're down by 12, but I know what I have to do. He said he's, he's in the fourth quarter down by 12 and doesn't even have a plan. Wow. So, yeah, so that, that sense of urgency, it just hit him how, how critical his situation is. Mm-hmm. And I think most people don't realize the critical, um, how critical his situation is until the game is almost over. Right, you know? right. And so, yeah, you've got to start thinking now. You can't wait till the fourth quarter to try to win the game. And you saw what? Listen to this. In the fourth quarter, that's when you have to dig deep because now you expended most of your energy and you're you're actually working off willpower and instinct mm-hmm. at that point. And it's not just enough to work hard because the opponent is working hard too. You have to right. have a plan. Right. You have to have work like a chess master. You know, mm-hmm. to suck the defense in so you can go long or. 
whatever you you have to know your next move or your next two moves so that you can get that touchdown and win that game. So I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are in that position. They're 12 points down financially in the uh, financial area of their lives. So before we move to the next point, I just want to give the number out again. The number to call in is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. I know there's a lot of people listening on their computer. They're taking notes, and they got something to say. We do have a caller on the line. We're going to take this call, then we're going to go to a quick break. Caller 780, your mic is live. Hey, Rafika and James, this is Hafiz. I'm calling you from Canada. I'm in Edmonton right now, but I'm listening to the show. I saw oh, you guys great. went live on Facebook. I'm glad to see you guys are there. Yes, thank you, Hafiz, for calling in. You know, we talk about finances today, the tip, the tools, the tips, and strategies for financial success in 2017 with our brother, Haru. Say hello to Haru, uh, Hafiz. Yeah, hello, Haru. I love that analogy with the football game there. That was great, the fourth quarter. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you have a, you have a okay. question for us? Well, I just got in on the. I just I just caught in on the tail end. I called in uh, as soon as I as soon as I heard you guys were live. I okay. saw it on my Facebook. But um, I'm a lot I'm a lot younger. I'm 36 years old. What would you think? Um, some of the tips for some of the younger guys between 30 and 40 years old. What could we do at our age to start um, start getting involved maybe in the third quarter? <laughs> uh, oh, right, and I'm glad you realized it's the third quarter because you're not that far away. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because it's really in our, our I'd say, mid-30s when that sense of urgency starts to kick in, um, right. When you, right? Because when you're young, you just think you have, when you're in your 20s, you just think you have forever, you know, in front of you. And, you know, you have all this, all this time to make mistakes. And I think when you hit your 30s, you know, you really start to get serious and say, wow, okay, I really need to choose a direction. I really need to buckle down and get serious. You know, I don't know if you have a family yet, but, you know, it's like, okay, I really have to focus on not only myself but my family and then my legacy. And so right. I think it's it's never too early um, to, to start planning for retirement. And when I say retirement, it's different from what other people, I think, uh, are talking about because there's no retirement from passive income, right? And so um, it's really educating yourself and and tapping into the trends that make sense. And so like we were talking about Airbnb, which was big here in New York city and suddenly it's gone. So all of a sudden that means that was super lucrative for somebody is now unviable. And so in passive income, things become unviable and you have to be, I guess, flexible enough to be able to make that transition and really pay attention to what's going on. So you can move from, you know, passive income source to passive income source to passive income source. So it's not a question of you having to, you know, go from job to job or retire per se. You could retire, I think, you, and I don't know what you do now, but you should be able to retire in the next few years if you can replace that income with passive income sources. But, that, but right. you have to have a plan for that, you know. Um, there's, there's always great opportunity, you know, if you're paying attention not only locally but globally to what's happening. And so even if there's not a, a local market for you, there's a whole global marketplace that you can tap into. There's global uh, resources if you want to, you know, get supplies. There's global 
people to sell to. There's emerging economies all over the world. There's so much, you know, for, for a young person. Um, and I think young people actually have an advantage because, you know, if you're in your 30s, you kind of grew up around technology. So it's not as overwhelming to you even to be able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, clearly you're, you're on social media and you're, and you're tapping into an international resource right now. And so even that concept of global, having a global vision, you've already got that. You know, so mm-hmm. you have a, a great advantage over somebody who is just 10 years older than you who the Internet came about when they were probably, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s. It's a, it's a totally right. different, you know. Yeah, we grew so, up with it. Really. Right. You know, I, right. I just left the USA and I moved back to Canada. And a lot of my friends, once they realized I was gone from the USA, a lot of different job offers started coming in and a lot of activity just realizing I was gone. And I was giving me a whole new perspective on things I can do to start from scratch in Canada. I'm really just uh, rebuilding for, uh, rebuilding my life in Canada from scratch right now, but I'm excited mm-hmm. because of all the opportunities that are coming in. And our focus has changed instead of being so U.S. bound and thinking what can we do to go nationwide now we're looking all over the world and thinking Mm. what are all the things we can do to bring all this back to North America or even take ourselves out in that direction and set up businesses for instance out in Africa and and even in Asia so the internet has brought us um, together has expanded our reach and our mindset on where we can go with our thoughts and our planning and even our dreams. So we're going to take a brief break, come back and pick up on, I think, number six. Is that correct, Haru? That's correct. Okay, don't give it away. Don't give it away yet. Everybody, (laughs) hold tight. (laughs) The Keys 107 will be right back. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffffamily.com. And as all of you know, who are who have been tuned in with us since October, the Keys 107 Network is a co-partner with the Women Doing It Big. Empowerment Conference, and we are just so proud to have Notori Norton, who is the co-star of that sexy hot show, Power, and she's got a message, so stay tuned. What's up? I am Notori Norton, a.k.a. Tasha from Power. I am looking forward to the Women Doing It Big event January 14th and 15th in 2017. It's going to be amazing with my girl Tiana Von Johnson and all these awesome women who are doing it big. Let's make sure we come out for these two days and support and inspire and mentally prepare for the new year. It's going to be great, you guys, so I cannot wait. I'll see you there. Get your tickets. Register now at womendoingitbig.com. Take care. Peace. So, Notori, I'm so glad you said get your tickets because we at the Keys 107 have only three tickets. That's only three tickets left. So inbox us, send your, uh, send your requests and suggestions at the Keys107network.com. And you can even uh, let us know in our chat room. The Blog, Talk Radio, the Blog Talk Radio chat room is open, and so is the Facebook chat room. 
Now, now, oh. now, back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. Rafika and uh, Haru, before we go forward, I just want to say about this uh, women doing it big. It is big. It's big for us here at the Keys 107 because the one and only Rafika is going to be uh, one of the honorees there as well as um, the the host um, on the red carpet will be interviewing all of the known stars and unknown stars because every woman that graces that place that evening or that weekend are stars. So we want to uh, give a shout out to Rafika and to all the women who are going to be honored for doing it big. So I uh, just wanted to put that out there because I'm very, very proud. Oh, you get a virtual hug, James. Mm, I love virtual hugs. Thank you. <laughs> and we want to thank everybody. And I, I just mean this from the bottom of my heart. So we have so much love coming to us. The ticket sales have just went off the roof. Um, They really just gave us that little shock appeal that I was not expecting, but I'm just so happy, and thank you, Tiana Von Johnson, for seeing it fit to bring the Keys 107 Network aboard this spectacular event. So let's get going to number six. This is so appropriate for what is going on in our country today and what's going to happen very shortly. So let's go, Haru. Okay. Number six um, is talking about important political shifts that might affect your goals. And, you know, as we know, um, Donald Trump won the presidential election. But not only did Donald Trump win the presidential election, um, Congress is now predominantly going to be uh, Republican, and the majority of uh, state governors are going to be and state legislators are going to be Republican as well. And so for the first time since the 1920s, we're going to see Republicans controlling not only the federal government, but most of the state governments as well. And, you know, some people say, okay, well, what does that mean? Um, well, clearly it's the end of what people consider liberalism, you know, and so we're going to see a cut and probably see a cut in social programs a lot of the social safety nets and a whole breakdown and restructuring of the Democratic Party. Um, and so what does that mean economically? You know, Republicans are very strong what they call trickle-down economics. And trickle-down economics means that they give incentive to the big guys, meaning you uh, deregulate banks, you deregulate industries, you give tax benefits to corporations, you lower capital gains tax for investors, um, and the and the theory is that if you make it easier for corporations to do business and create larger businesses and to expand, and you make a uh, a way for investors to feel comfortable investing more money and take chances, it will trickle down to everybody else underneath because it will create more jobs, and then that will create tax revenue to run the country. Um, unfortunately, trickle-down economics has never, ever worked. Um, it's a great theory, but it discounts human nature. And human nature doesn't say, let me pass down uh, money to the people on the bottom. It's how much can I get for myself? And so mm-hmm. we're seeing this, you know, this, we're going to see this shift to that. That's not the only shift that we're going to see. We have to understand that what's being proposed as U.S. foreign policy and foreign relations 
is going to affect us greatly economically as well. So they're talking about renegotiating the North American uh, Free Trade Agreement, which, um, you know, involves Mexico and, and Canada, um, because Trump has this thing about Mexico. But what he doesn't understand is that the <laughs> the agreement they had with it in NAFTA before was when Mexico was in a much uh, worse economic position and the United States had leverage. We don't have the leverage anymore really to renegotiate that, but that's a whole different story. Um, he wants to withdraw from the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And, you know, it's interesting because his, his reasoning is that um, he wants to withdraw because of this thing about China. But China is not a part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, by the way. And I, I don't think most people realize that. Um, it's actually, you know, several other countries because he, the United States wanted to control economic policy in the region and not let China have economic control and create the trade policies there. Mm-hmm. So what, not, what he's doing, though, is creating an adversarial relationship with China or, or a greater adversarial role with China. We don't really want to get into a trade war with China. Um, because he's talking about putting tariffs and things on that, but they can easily put tariffs on, on the U.S. as well. And so if there's this trade war, with China, uh, China has the resiliency and the economic means to, to hold out. And I think it's going to hurt us in terms of the amount of goods that, that come into the U.S. at a, a cheap rate. So the cost of your goods will, might go up. Um, you know, alliances are already shifting. We see the Philippines starting to, you know, realign with China. Uh, we just, it's going to create this tension that's problematic. Closing up with Russia is creating a new tension as well because a lot of our, li- our allies are going to feel uncomfortable and might realign with Russia a- out of fear of the United States not protecting them. So this redistribution of alliances is going to cause this whole issue with, with trade. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is going to cause uh, less available goods, but the available goods will be at a much higher price. And so the actually the amount of things that we have to improve our lifestyle in terms of material things, electronics and clothes and, and all those things, cars, uh, we'll probably see significant inflation. Well, let um, me ask you, the, there's sure. been a lot of talk about, or not a lot, but uh, enough talk about the acknowledgement and the um, open dialogue that Taiwan is now having with the United States government because of uh, Mr. Trump. Now, for for years, we haven't heard Taiwan about anything because it had not been recognized as a, I guess, a, a world trading partner, specifically with the West, because China has subjugated Taiwan. How would that uh, America leverage uh, opening relationships with Taiwan as far as trade and commerce affect us with China? Okay, so it's a smack in the face to China. Um, Taiwan was actually a British, was, was on uh, lease to the British for a 99-year lease. And when the lease expired, Taiwan was to go back to China. But China, Taiwan wanted its independence, and China said, no, you are a part of China. And therefore, uh, all the other nations had to recognize that Taiwan wasn't sovereign and 
China's thing was, look, you, you cannot have diplomatic relations with them because you're acknowledging their sovereignty, which is not right because by right and law, they are not sovereign. They are a renegade state of China. And so if you want to have relations with us, then you have to acknowledge that. And so the United States would never have diplomatic relations, you know, for the last 40 years had not had diplomatic relations out of respect for China saying they are still a part of China. Mm-hmm. Um, so to now create this diplomatic relationship or even to acknowledge them as uh, um, a nation unto themselves, China is going to push back. And they have every right to push back. That's like, you know, Alaska suddenly saying, well, we're not part of the United States, right? So I think he's creating this, this situation and I, I, I think he doesn't really understand the full ramifications of that. China owns much of the United States debt, and they could call us on that. Um, yes. You know, if we put tariffs on China, China can easily do the same thing to us. He keeps saying how China has this, this tax on it. They actually don't. You know, China, what they do is when the United States starts a business over there, they require that before we open a factory, we train them. And, and give them access to the technology, which is smart mm-hmm. on their part. They're like, you're going to do business here. You're not going to just exploit us forever. You're going to train our people. You're going to ha- give us access to the technology. So at some point we can do it on our own. That makes sense. You know, so mm-hmm. they don't have an actual tax. Um, you know, they, they, and he, you know, he had this thing about them manipulating the currency. Um, they did manipulate the currency back in 2000. But since then, they hadn't manipulated the currency. As a matter of fact, their currency, we found out, has been overvalued and not undervalued. And so, you know, a lot of the things that he's trying to, that he's putting out aren't honest. And you, we really don't want, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be hurting more than we gain by trying to come at China, you know, with a, you know, with a baseball bat, you know. That's not how you relate to China. You know, China's whole thing is interesting. I went to uh, a training done by the Chinese government when they were talking a few years back because they were trying to get U.S. investors to do business over there. And their whole thing is about relationship. They said you can't just come to China, you know, and start a business. You have to come to China and you establish a relationship for years. And after years of having a relationship, then you can do business. And so Trump is coming in this thing totally wrong. He's, he's, he's starting a fight without trying to create a relationship. And so you know, he doesn't have the leverage because China is so vast, you know, um, and, and because their wages are so low and their lifestyle is, is so much, you know, less than, than what we expect here, they can hold out a whole lot longer than we do. And they have partners all over the world, too. They don't have to sell to the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're in Africa already selling to everybody in Africa. They, they're doing business in Europe. They're doing business – and they, and they want to take over doing business all over uh, Asia, and it looks like it's going to happen. You know, we already have the Philippines realigning. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a mistake for him to, to do that. But we have to really keep an eye on that because that could really affect all of your financial goals. And so that's a real mm. threat. You know, um, and, and, and there are so many other things. Like, you know, one thing we have to look at, too, um, in – and on January 1st, in 29 different states and Washington, D.C., the minimum wage is going up. You know, in New York, it's going up to uh, $11 an hour. And then by 
2019, it's going to be $15 an hour. But in most of the state, the federal uh, minimum wage is only 7.25. I think what we're going to see is a massive round of layoffs and the acceleration of automation. Um, but one thing I don't think is going to happen, I don't think the federal minimum wage is going to go up because it's contrary to what the, the Republicans believe. They don't believe in, in raising a minimum wage. So those 29 states that did it, you know, did it because those are very liberal states. But I think because of the deregulation and, and the incentives, the tax incentives that Trump is giving to corporations, it's not going to trickle down to, to, to workers. They're going to get laid off, I think, in droves. Um, and so that could definitely affect, you know, what, what you're doing. Um, you know, it's just so many, so many areas, you know, that the deregulation of, of the coal industry, the oil industry. Um, one thing we have to look at, too, OPEC, which is the oil-producing, you know, uh, nations, they have vowed to cut oil production. So what does that mean? That means that glut of oil that's been on the market keeping oil prices low is suddenly going to, you know, start diminishing. So the best case scenario, we're going to see volatility in the prices of oil, you know, as home heating oil as well as, as gasoline. Um, at worst, we're going to see prices start to skyrocket. And so we have to really keep a hold on that because that was one of the most devastating things of the recession because when the price of oil goes up, everything goes up. Mm-hmm. That means airline tickets go up. That means food goes up because trucking costs are more expensive. Um, so we have to really, you know, keep an eye on that as well. Blood pressure um, goes up. Blood pressure sure does. <laughs> right? sure does. Chaos goes up. It's a trickle it effect, Haru. It, it yes. is. It is. Yes. People um, get anxious you know, it, when they believe they a do. gas shortage is coming. Right. Um, so, and, and we have to look at this whole restructuring of the Democratic Party because it, it was non-inclusive uh, of a whole – part of its base was, was working class people who are, you know, labor – in labor unions. And in the Rust Belt, they felt disenfranchised by the Democratic Party. And so now we have to – you're going to see a restructuring of the parties. Um, and what effect that has, we don't know yet. You know, um, we also have to pay attention to the first hundred days that Trump is in office because he made a lot of promises, but we don't really know, you know, um, the more things go on, the more he's letting things go. Um, and, the, and you know, his cabinet choices we see really look like they're just going to favor big business. And so that first hundred days are really critical to pay attention to because you might have to shift your, your goals based upon, you know, what policies and things that come out based on that. And then we have to look at, you know, different economic changes that are going to affect us. It's interesting because there's, there's been jobs increasing at a decent pace, right? And, and unemployment for the first time in a long time is below 5%. So the, you know, it's, it's weird. We have this, this thing, you know, we're talking about keeping jobs in America and doing all these things, but the very policies themselves might lead to unemployment or, in a greater sense, underemployment. And I think even though we're having, you know, uh, unemployment at a low rate, underemployment is still relatively high. 
And so I think that should push people more towards passive income sources than ever. Um, you know, something else we have to look at is, I don't know if you, anybody paid attention to it, but the, the Federal Reserve raised the interest rate, and they're expecting to do three more increases in 2017. So what does that mean? That means borrowing money is more expensive now. That means that your the APR on your credit card is probably going to go up. That means if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, that is going to go up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so if we we're expecting, but Haru, as far as the credit yeah. card, as far as the APR on the credit card, how much more can it go up? Some some credit cards are already like three point five, three point eight percent. It's going to go high. I'm saying it can go thirty two percent is the highest it can go. Now it can go even higher. See, with credit cards, it's interesting. It's what, part of it is based on what the market will bear, but part of it is based on what, you know, the, the interest rate is. And so if that goes up, they can raise that accordingly. Mm. So the cost of borrowing money is going to go higher. So that means reducing that or eliminating that debt is, is much more critical now, earlier in the year, than trying to do it later in the year because it's going to cost you more. So if now, you're going to borrow by that cost, go ahead. Is this something that we can expect in the first quarter of the year? Well, it's already gone up. They already raised it yesterday. And oh. so they didn't say, yeah, it went up yesterday. Um, and then they, they're expecting three more increases in 2017, but they didn't say when. So that means, you know, again, the cost of borrowing money. So if you're going to buy that car, you might want to do it now if you're going to get a loan for it. If you're going to, you know, buy that house, you might want to do it now uh, while the interest rates are still relatively low, even though they've grown up. Um, the good thing about it, and see, because it's always good and bad, right, when you're talking about interest rates, the good thing is that you should be able to get a, a better, a slightly higher increase in your savings on your savings account. The other thing <laughs> is that <laughs> it's slight, but, you know, I guess any, any increase is better than no increase. The, unfortunately, it still is not going to balance out. The increase you get in your savings is not going to balance out with the increase in the, in the cost of debt. Um, bonds, bonds will be worth a little bit more, and again, not substantial enough that you should get to the bond market because bonds are still a terrible investment right now. Um, the good thing is if you're a lender, if you do peer lending, uh, like the Lending Club or um, Kiva, then you'll see that you could, there will be loans with a higher uh, interest rate that you can lend people you know, money to and get a higher return. Um, I was actually on there, I think, yesterday, and I saw one now, I think at 26 or 27%. Um, I was able to lend at 26%, which is, you know, a great return. Um, you know, so we have to pay attention to that. Another thing we have to look at is stock market prices right now are, are at record highs. You know, the Dow was about 20,000. You know, 20, um, but is that the exuberance of the anticipation of Trump deregulating and everything and businesses and, and, you know, making invest, investing easier and, and more profitable for investors? Probably, you know. So, you know, we have to really be, be conscious of that. Um, is it a good time to get into the stock market? Yes, but keep your eye on it because, it, it, you know, he could take office and say something crazy or create one of those trade wars and the whole thing plummet. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think I think the takeaway for the average person who may not have really looked into uh, financial politics is to really pay attention starting now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, you know, as I'm taking some notes, I was thinking in terms of when you were talking about the oil and uh, OPEC, uh, OPEC cutting the oil production and how mass layoffs will take place, um, there are three things that immediately hits everyone. How do you heat your home? How do you fuel your car? And, um, you know, how do you, you know, you got to secure yourself. So alternative energy, we can't wait on the government or municipalities to, to move forward with implementing alternative energy. Somehow the average homeowner, the average person has to figure out a way how to conserve energy, how to insulate that home, how not to use as much uh, cut their energy costs down so that we won't suffer when the oil production, if you uh, if you heat your home with oil, um, is yeah. down. And so I think that has to be a conversation and uh, awareness, again, for our listening audience, that you got to assess what did you spend last year on oil and gasoline, right? How could you do better this coming year? You know, yeah, and one one of the things that people can do, you can lock in. If you call your oil company, a lot of them have programs where you can lock in the price right now. And like, if you anticipate the price is going to go up, you can lock in a price for today and get that for the entire year. They'll let you do that. Um, and so that's that's another alternative. Um, you know, and and you should definitely should look into that uh, because you're not going to get last year's prices. They're already prices already higher than what it was last year. We had record lows. Um, and it was, and that was a political thing too. The OPEC countries, what they were trying to do was starve Russia, and so what they did was overproduce oil so that there was a glut in the marketplace, so that Russia didn't have a place to sell its market, which destroyed their whole economy. Um, and so again, now we're seeing these shifting alliances, and I think you know, um, the U.S. had a good relationship with Saudi Arabia, who really controlled OPEC, and now I don't know Donald Trump not so much. I think that's now you know. Uh, their way of pushing back on the U.S., which is, you know, it's a little, so it's just, again, it goes back to the whole political thing. Right. But definitely, right. if you so, can lock in that price, you know, do it. And what about solar panels and um, so, water I, heaters? That's all great. I think, you know, but one of the things, that, and I think that you have to have the, the, the means to do it. You know, it's not free. It's not cheap. It pays, mm-hmm. it's, those type of things pay off well over the long term. But the cash outlay tends to be, you know, very high initially, which means you probably have to finance it, which then goes back into, okay, if we're going to finance it, we better do it now because interest rates are going up. You know, it's, it's all tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we have to look at, too, and I've warned people about this. Every show, I think I've talked about this, gold prices are plummeting. Mm. Gold, oh, plummeting, just plummeting. And I warned everybody, I've been saying it, I think I've said it on every single show since we started doing shows together, don't buy gold. And, you know, now it's, it's, you'll see why. I mean, the prices are really just bottoming out. Um, and why and is good, that? Because it's, a, it's an inverse relationship between the stock market and gold, uh, or I should say really in, in the health, uh, the perceived health of the economy and gold. And so when the stock market is doing well, when unemployment is low, when 
the GDP is relatively high. It shows that the economy is doing well, and so people start investing in traditional things. They start buying homes again. They start investing in, in securities. They start doing these things. And so um, gold is used as a hedge against, against you know, losses, and so it's like a, store, a storage place for, for wealth. But once mm-hmm. the economy recovers, you take it out of that because it doesn't pay dividends. Right, and so now all of a sudden the economy is showing health. There's no reason to store it in something that doesn't pay dividends, and so because people aren't buying it, it drops in value. It has no intrinsic value. And right. the, the flip side of that too is the inverse relationship with the, the value of the dollar. As the U.S. dollar declines in value, then you'll see an increase in value in gold. The U.S. dollar is up right now. Mm-hmm. And so well, you the know. US do- no, I was going to say, you, you're so right, but as soon as you said, this is not the time to buy gold, there's a, uh, a caller or two that has raised their hand in our uh, our chat room as well as one live. So um, let us bring on someone who um, may want to ask a question about that gold sure. issue. Sure. Caller uh, 219, area code, your mic is live. You may ask a question. First state your name, please. Anthony King, thank you, Brother James, for uh, opening up the line for me. I was I didn't catch this brother's name. Hafiz asked me to call in so that I can uh, hear the interview, but I didn't catch his name, and I don't want to be rude if, if I can get his Haru. name. That is Haru Naket, our financial advisor and strategist. Hey, Haru, Haru, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? All right. I, I, I do have a question about this gold thing that you just mentioned because um, I've been working on something with the Africans, and um, I noticed that a lot of the the, the, the money money strong countries like Russia and China do use uh, the gold for storage instead of you know taking it and selling it for for actual cash. Trump being the president, having a relationship with Russia, how long do you think the gold prices are going to be down? Is that something that's, that's going to be like the, the depression, or is that something that they're using to? Uh, you know, get leverage on the playing field so that they can stockpile more gold. Uh, well, I don't think it's a conspiracy that so that they can buy the gold. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of countries have a store of gold as a reserve um, instead of using U.S. dollars, right? And, but the question is, how long will it be down? I think we again we have to watch the first hundred days. I am anticipating that Donald Trump will screw up so badly that the economy is going to shift in a negative way. And when the economy begins to shift, then the gold price will begin to climb. Also, we have to pay attention to um, Britain when it, when it finalizes the, the exit from the European Union. I think that will send the stock market into a decline um, just because of that. And then the gold prices will go up again as well. Um, but then you, the thing is, when you, if you're buying gold, because you, you could say, okay, I'm going to let it plummet, let it plummet, let it plummet, and buy it speculating, right? But then the timing is so critical. Timing is, is, is a critical thing with gold, uh, because what are you going to do with a gold bar when all of a sudden the price starts to plummet? You know, that, that's really the issue with it, because it doesn't pay you any dividends while you store it. It actually becomes right. a liability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's going to we, go up again. I believe I believe he's going to screw up and it's going to go up again. I believe when Brexit happens, finally it's it's, it's going to go up again. But it's just it's too much. It's too risky to speculate. 
you know, I watched the price of gold go from uh, 20 like let's say like twenty one dollars to forty two dollars in the in the course of a year's period of time. That's a very large margin um mm-hmm. to grow in. I haven't been mm-hmm. watching it here lately so I don't know what it has dropped down to. But those types of spreads in that short period of a time, um, it seems like that would be something that is is worth taking a risk on. Well everybody has their own risk tolerance, right? And I, I think it depends you sound you sound young enough to be able to make those kind of um, take those type of risks. You know, somebody make, who's, make we talked about being in be a, able to make it right. We to be able to yeah. We up. talked about being in the third or fourth quarter. If you're in the third or fourth quarter of your life, then you know it's it's a little more, uh, I think, too risky to speculate like that. Mm. So I, I hope that that Anthony, are you there? <laughs> He's calculating yeah, them gold bunions right now. Yeah, I might, I might have ran them off. <laughs> no, no, you, no, I, I, ain't, I ain't never running. I'm just putting okay. mute because I got a lot going on in my background oh, and I don't okay. want to disturb the floor of your show. Oh, okay. But you're absolutely right. I do believe that um, having youth in making business decisions is an advantage, and I and I would like to use it while I have it. Yeah, I, I think you should definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate you you calling and asking the question. Absolutely, appreciate your your expert opinion and brother James. Always appreciate the airtime, sister Rafika. Love you. Anytime you guys need me, please call. Yes, sir, my <laughs> brother. Thank you so we're much. We're gonna call you and we're gonna call you to get some um, gold when you hit it. When you hit it. When you figure this out. <laughs> yeah, you bring it over by the ship load. You already got it. You don't have to call. I'm gonna be looking for y'all. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Love it. All love right, it. talk to y'all later. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Did All right. You, did you have another caller? Or? No, I, that they, they, oh, okay. their hand went down. So, I guess they were going to say something yeah. very similar. Yeah. So just one 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 of the um, you know thing about the economic changes. You know, there's a proposed tax change, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were under the impression that there were going to be tax cuts, which would be you know, phenomenal for the average person, right? Because that, again, gives you more cash flow to do what you have to do. But it's not really a, a, a tax cut. It's, um, it's a simplified tax structure, meaning that he's gonna, he wants to cut it down to only three categories, right? Okay. Um, and so what that does is if you, were, if you were in the lower end, you might see higher taxes, but if you were in the higher end, you would see lower taxes. Mm. If that makes sense, right? Because he's consolidating, yeah. right? If there were, if there were, I think nine or ten different areas, you're going to consolidate into three. They all merge to the middle, if that makes sense. So they they go to the middle of each of those levels. And so if you were lower, you're actually going to pay higher. If you were higher, you're going to pay lower. If you were in that middle range, you were going to stay where you're at. And so the only people who are going to see lower taxes are the people who are paying higher taxes. Does that, does that make sense? So if you were in the higher range, then you'll see lower. If you were in the mid range, you're gonna pay what you were. If you were in the low range, you're gonna pay higher. And so, so you know, you, what would yeah? With this plan is gonna uh, going to increase the 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 vanishing middle class. You know, what I'm saying because yeah. most people are saying that the, the middle class damn near does not exist anymore. You're either rich or you're poor. Or you're poor. Yep. Um, I think we have to really 
you know, I, I think we have to come to grips with that reality too. And I think, you know, in the age that we live in, the age of acceleration, I call it leverage acceleration, those who can leverage their position will, will, will accelerate and they'll take off and they'll have, it's almost a zero sum game. You know, mm-hmm. if there is, if there's no opportunity for a middle anymore. You either have it or you don't have it. Yeah. Um, and, and that, so that group on the bottom is going to grow larger and larger, you know, um, that's just a, a, a reality. I think people have to come to grips with. And that's why, again, I say, you know, stop trying to do things the way we used to do it, you know, and look for, for this new way um, of creating this passive sources of income and use the technology that's available and tap into that global marketplace. Okay. Yeah. So there are certain social changes too, that, you know, we have really have to, to pay attention to, you know, there's this rise in, in populism, um, and, you know, it's funny to use this term populism. It's, it's the rise of the a lower socioeconomic class, you know, um, you know, having a say in government. And, and so it's really the overthrow of what they consider to be the economic elite, the, you know, intellectual elite is the overthrow of that. And, and that populism is not only in America, that is global. You know, I went on one of the other shows and I talked about what I call the Western Spring. Because we're seeing it in Germany, we're seeing it in France, uh, we're seeing it in Britain, we're seeing it in the U.S., um, and a lot of it has to do with with globalization itself and the, and the changing way that that people were able to make inroads into the middle class. And so, you know, manufacturing and and you know, factory work you used to be able to get a high wage and still afford to to have a house for your family, a, a car for your family, you know, send your kids to college. And so, when all that eroded. And we have this new change in, in you know, this global, um, this globalization, and those people feel disenfranchised, and so now they're rising up. It's that last this ditch effort to hang on um, to their way of life, um, yes. but that led to um, this attitude of protectionism, which you know Trump is doing of this isolationism and protectionism, um, keep everything in America, you know, that discounts, we have a global supply chain, you know, we have, you, you can't have protectionism in a global society, you know, that didn't even work way back in, in the forties, thirties and forties. And, you know, it's certainly not going to work now. Um, that also comes with this new conservatism. Um, and so unfortunately, again, we have for the first time since the 1920s, you know, the federal government and local governments, but now you're going to have the Supreme Court in addition once they make that appointment that's going to be conservative. And so, you know, what does that mean? Um, well, that means women's health issues are going to be under attack uh, because they're going to try to undo Roe versus Wade. That means that under uh, environmental protections are going to be under attack because they want to do away with the EPA. That means that... Um, you know, you're going to see this this mass xenophobia where you have restriction on immigration, severe restriction on immigration. You know, there's going to be – so all these social changes are going to affect your ability to, to you know, uh, reach some of your goals as well. So uh, we have the caller uh, – 219 that has another question for you, Haru, but we need sure. to take a quick break. And if a caller just hold your question, we'll be right back. I promise I won't be very long. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? It's your girl, Little Mo, and I can hardly wait. We kicking off 2017 all the way live. Women doing it big. 
14th, it all goes down. So get your tickets now. Lock in. WomanDoingItBig.com. Guess who's going to be there besides me? Yes, Tiana Von Johnson doesn't play no games when it comes to giving you the power. You want to do it big and you want to see her do it big? Yes, Notori Norton's going to be there. Tasha from Power. You want to answer some secret questions behind the scenes? Hey, you want to get all up in her business? Well, come do it big. And if you think doing it big can't get any bigger, then I'm going to sing, yes! Yeah, no, I ain't going to hit that note right there. But I was just trying to let you know how you're going to be screaming. And the audience, yeah, we already done went viral. We done broke the internet. So all those songs that broke the internet, I'm coming to sing them for you. Get your tickets now because January 14th is going all the way down. New York City. Matter of fact, I want you to fly in for this. WomanDoingItBig.com. Well, if that's not enough, Brooklyn Tankard is going to be there. What's up, New York? Mm-hmm. It's your girl, Queen Brooklyn. Y'all been all in my DM. Like, when are you coming to New York, honey? I miss you guys. And I'm honored that Tiana Ben Johnson, the founder of the Women Doing It Big Conference, has asked me to come and speak to you guys, asked me to come inspire you guys. And I'm just honored to be amongst other women doing it big. We got Naturi from the hit show Power, also known as Tasha on Power. She's going to be speaking. And I'll be honored with her along so many other powerful women, honey. It's going down, little Mo performing. It's going to be turned up. We even got Mr. P. I said Mr. P, Master P, coming through, and he's actually going to teach a master series. I cannot wait. My legs are going to be crossed, my hands together. I'm going to be listening to what that man got to say. So y'all need to get here. Whether you're doing it big or you want to do it big in 2017, I'll see you January 14th in New York for the Women Doing It Big Conference. In New York! Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Brooklyn in the house. <laughs> tickets are on sale. We have three tickets left, and I'm going to tell you that you can get them on our Facebook shop, and we just think that's the coolest thing to be on a Facebook shop. Just click the button, get the tickets, discount tickets, three left. We're going to bring that caller back in because we are running out of time. Caller, two okay, one. Your mic is live. I'm here. Thank you, Sister Rafika. Haru, I um posted on Facebook before I got onto the show that I was I always post anything that the Keys 107 do, and I was chatting with one of my buddies, and they told me to call into the show. And when he heard us talking about the gold and um everything, he he told me to ask you a question. He didn't want to get on air, but he is he just started a consultancy firm. Um, when, when the laws passed on November the 8th to legalize marijuana in the um, in the state of Nevada, he was one of the guys who took advantage of that law passing and started a consultancy firm, Weed Coast Consultants. One of the issues that he's having is banking because the uh, federal the federal government right. has not has has not. Uh, legalized marijuana, the banks will not take their money. And these guys are making like $100,000 a month, um, you know, with, especially since this law has passed and recreational usage is, you know, um, is, is up in the air. So he wanted me to ask you what type of alternative banking options are there for a situation like that where, you know, the government has put implementations on the business structure to where they cannot get, you know, financing for homes and things of that nature, although they are cash rich. Well, a lot of people who are, are doing that are using Bitcoin. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's 
really the, the alternative. And and one thing he has to really be conscious of is we're moving to a very conservative um, climate than the federal government, because, again, it's still illegal federally. The federal government might choose to enforce the law. And so even if the state of Nevada uh, or whichever state you're in is not going to enforce it, the DEA could come in and shut it down. And, you know, so really he has to have his ear to the pulse of what's going on on a federal level, because I wouldn't put it past, you know, Donald Trump to, you know, have that enforced because, again, we're moving to this ultra-conservatism. So, you know, um, it, the banking regulations are not going to change. It's not, he's not going to be able to go into a traditional bank. So, again, like I said, some people are just converting it to Bitcoins, and, and that way they can do their business transactions through the Bitcoin. Well, before you go on, because um, Bitcoins is sort of new in terms of the financial arena, many of us have been introduced to it through the movies and theater uh, uh, shows on TV. Can you tell us exactly what coins and and, and how did it it's come kind about? Of complex. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think we may have to do a show on that because uh, we have five okay. minutes. This is a rare yeah, moment I for us here, and no, and I know I know you can't. I know you can't because I know what bitcoins are. So we're gonna have to yeah. hold that to very another complex. show. But it is an interesting topic. It's a very interesting topic. But I I know that Anthony, your question is so critical, but I need Haru to just wrap up those last sure. points. <laughs> okay. So, you know, let's based on some of the things we I talked about a little while ago, we should look at some of those things not only as detriment but opportunities. So if Trump is vowing to cancel restrictions on, on shale oil, coal, and other energy production, then you should consider investing in those areas because you're going to see this mass explosion of, you know, these companies happening. Um, he's vowed to build up the military, so de- you know, putting money into uh, companies that provide defense you know, technology is going to be huge. He's vowing a trillion-dollar investment in infrastructure, so building materials and equipment is going to be huge. Um, we're seeing high interest rates. That means peer lending is going to be huge. You should get into that. Um, home construction is up, so again, building materials and construction um, and developers and real estate prices are going to go up. So it's a good time to take advantage of that. Businesses that cater to the changing demographics. We're seeing changing demographics all over the country. And so, you know, people like to come in and feel at home. So providing services, um, even whether it's concierge services to, the, to those, those groups, um, you know, it's important that, that you take advantage of those changing demographics. And finally, to do all of this stuff, I think sometimes we need to be held accountable so it's good to find an accountability partner or a support group. And so if you find a, a good friend who's trying to make improvements in their life as well, you know, since it's so hard to stay, stay on the course when you have the plans in your head or you keep the plan to yourself, share your plan with that person. Let them hold you accountable. Um, let them, you know, share your struggles, share your successes, and, and hold each other accountable, you know. So I think that's a good start. Oh my God! I like that accountability partner, Haru. Give out your contact information as we begin to wrap up tonight's show. Yeah, you can contact me by email at Haru H E R U at InsidersGroup.com, or you can catch me on Facebook. Um, I have a page Insiders Group Inc. 
And so I usually, you know, I have uh, different events happening. Uh, I just want to mention I have a 2017 Wealth Master Symposium happening May 6th. Uh, I have that event posted on my page. You can buy the tickets. That's here in New York City at Bed-Stuy Restoration, uh, May 6th. So uh, if you have any other questions, you can definitely reach out to me on Insiders Group, Inc. on Facebook or Haru at InsidersGroup.com by email. And, Haru, make sure you post the invitation to that event on May 6th in the uh, group and the page for the Keys 107 Network. Will do. And also, thank you again for sponsoring that person, and I look forward to you submitting the name of that person. I am your host, Rafika, my co-host, Brother James. We had such a wonderful time with you tonight. All of our shows are archived on iTunes. You can listen back on blogtalkradio.com slash thekeys107. And we always post the archive show in our group at the Keys 107 and on our page at the Keys 107. Like us, follow us, tweet with us, and comment. Leave your comments. It's so important. I read everything. Inbox me with your suggestions or email me at suggestions at thekeys107network.com. Oh, coming up during the week of April of uh, December 22nd, we have a special listening party for the new Bob Molly Live release. So tune in for that. And then on the 29th of December, we have Master Herbalist Patrick Dells coming with a conversation on ADD and how you can help your child through herbal remedies. Mm. Mm. Good night. Good night, you all. like playing a special song to Tiana Von Johnson and to my support brother James and tell them both of them thank you so much they are my accountability partners you're going to listen to Kevin Owens singing you are my everything with Luca Vandross I am so grateful tonight good night
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.